I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's My Pops Culture, starring my son, Ben, and me, his dad. Do you really have to say it like that, Dad? With our guest star, half of Cheech and Chong, Tommy Chong. Well, I am on a high for this interview. Uh, yeah. And I just need to get high to deal with you. When was the first time that I think we were ever open about the fact that, like, I smoke weed? The first time you we spoke about you smoking weed was when one time we walked in your room and it smelled like weed. And then Mom was like, your mom was kind of pissed. She was pissed I was smoking weed? Yes. She said, I think I think our son's smoking weed in his bedroom, and I don't like that. But it's like I also wasn't like a bad kid. No, you weren't a bad kid. It's like I was getting good grades, and I was like actually respectable. That's fine, but I think it just surprised her that you're smoking weed. That was more the thing that it was. Because I think in my generation for at least... Not my generation. I'm going to say when I was a teenager, weed was more of a weekend thing versus something you smoked in your bedroom all the time. I wasn't smoking it. Well, all at least the with time. my group of friends, it was always like we went out to get weed for the weekend. What was what was getting weed like when you were getting weed? When I would get weed, oh, I'll share a story with you. Okay. Okay. So it was the Jewish New Year. It was Rosh Hashanah, and we had come back from synagogue. And I met my buddy David after synagogue, and we said, let's go to a place called The Jungle. And it was a, a series, of, an area with these townhomes. It was called The Jungle. Mm-hmm. And you would park your car in the jungle, and you'd wait till someone came out, and you'd roll your window down this much. Okay. And then someone would come out to you and say, you want a dime bag? And you put $10 through the window. And they would put this little envelope of weed through the window, and then you got the hell out of the jungle. The story was that day when we went, we were parked our car, and nobody showed up, and nobody showed up. And then a police car drove past our car while we were waiting for someone to show up, and then backed 
up in front of our car. Mm-hmm. It's parked in front of us. And both officers came out and they're like, what are you guys doing here? And we said, oh, we're just waiting for a friend. And they flashed the flashlight in the car and saw these rolling papers okay. in the car. And they're like, get the fuck out of the car. And then they took your dad and his friend and they shoved us against the hood of the car. We had to slam our hands down on the hood like this. And we and they're saying, you guys getting here. And then anyways, they're scaring us. Then we finally admitted that we were here just to buy drugs. We don't have any drugs on us. We were here to buy. And then one of the officers said, oh, I guess you want to celebrate the Jewish New Year. <laughs> but anyways, that was a story that happened to your dad. Yeah. Trying to buy drugs. Definitely not what it's like now. No. I go online. I find what I like. I order it. It comes to my house. That's I don't have to leave my, my home to get drugs anymore. You've lost the whole adventure of how to buy weed in the jungle. I think what's interesting is hearing your story of how you're in this near arrest because of marijuana. And now it's like not even a taboo thing. I feel like in in films and television, we can think about like Pineapple Express, you know, for a second. Or we can think about like that 70s show where Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. And weed has been very much in pop culture now that it's legalized, at least in Canada, and, and it's getting legalization in the States. It's like there are cooking shows with weed. There's blogs where you can figure out what weed recipes to make. I think I edited a web series on, on a weed food pairing one day. So like I've done stuff like that. And it's like, it's very, it's no longer taboo. No, it isn't taboo anymore, you know, and it's not because it's not illegal. And also because people have found that there are, medicinal qualities to it that people are actually your grandfather your late grandfather used to use oils see what are they cbd he used cbd oils or THC oils. yes i mean your mom bought a weed pen i know let's not go there yeah and she didn't buy because she's in pain either no she bought it she thought it'd be fun yeah okay there you go and the way we found out is she brings it down to like a a dinner with all the cousins she's bringing down this weed pen and huffing on it well, there's no, don't put your grandmother down. Where did you not know? I'm not did putting you her not down. Take, I'm saying that she's she's helping destigmatize. Right, but did you not also at one point when all four of your grandparents were over for a Shabbat dinner, the Sabbath, and you decided to bring your vape, and all grandparents took a toke from your vape around the table? I did do that. Yeah, I thought it was great. No, okay. So to your point, it is interesting how it definitely something, helped mom's cooking taste better. Yeah, that's fine. I think it's interesting how. Um, it has changed. You know, you look back at pop culture and it's like, oh my God, you know, Reefer Madness was about how weed made you crazy that you jump out of a window. Mm-hmm. And it was a propaganda film to everything now that it's just part of our lives. That's all it is. Marijuana, the burning weed with its roots in hell. It just feels like another thing. It yes. doesn't feel like, at least for my generation and for me, it doesn't feel like there's anything naughty or wrong about it. It just feels like, oh, I've got weed in the house. And that's like who would have thought that something that you would get arrested for is now something you could just deliver to your home. Yeah. I mean, we, I guess like we did smoke weed together in Amsterdam. You know what? I'm not a huge weed guy. I think I smoked a lot of weed when I was a teenager. I really don't smoke a lot as an adult. Mm-hmm. But the one thing was when we took you kids to Amsterdam, I just thought one of the coolest things ever would be to smoke weed with all my children and bond over weed. And then what I thought would be really cool and would be a neat thing to do as a family turned into, you guys all made fun of me. You turned something that you you did. You turned something that I thought would be really fun to do with my family and you turned it to shit and you treated me like- like We didn't. Here's how it started. No, 
the the thing that you thought be really fun, really cool, you decide to be a total idiot walking to a weed shop, and and they hand you a vape. So if they hand you a joint and like, and it was like a cylindrical tube. No, for, no. Back first of all, they have a menu like like a, a McDonald's. Yeah, and I was being a patron. And I was, an idiot. I was asking the person behind the counter to what is what would be a good weed for my family to smoke. You together. walked in this place like you've never even heard the term weed before. And I know they, I they handed you the joint. How does this work? So what do you do with this? Well, I didn't like you've know. Never how, seen a joint. No, in your life. it wasn't how the joint works. How does this work here? I've never walked into a, a store. Where no, because I think at one point you said, "So you just light this end." Like, I no, think I didn't he, say that. Yes, you did. No, I didn't say that. You did. And then we all went outside in this alley. And well, first we went upstairs into this place. Which kind of looked like a drug den. Yeah, because fun, everybody fun. was sitting in couches, zoned out. Well, it kind of looked like what your parents warned you about weed would do to you. Yes. So at least we went outside and smoked in like an alley. But In an alley. Yeah. Well, it was on the street somewhere. With, we smoked outside. With urine on the... And yeah. then you're wanting to take photographs of all of us smoking weed I've, together. I have a great photo of me... With my kids around me and I'm smoking the joint. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Anyways, it would have... And then you guys made fun of me later. We didn't make fun of you later. Then we got we all got the munchies. Then we went to a waffle shop ordering waffles. Oh, they were good waffles. And then because you just have severe anxiety, we're eating waffles. Josh and I are laughing because we're just stoned. And you take it that we're laughing at you. And so then the entire time you're on edge being like, Oh, you're talking about me. What are you saying about me? What are you so talking about? So you're saying like I got paranoid from being on the weed. Yeah, you were the worst person to get high with. I wasn't paranoid. You were making fun of me. And I was asking what we, the we joke was. We literally were just laughing because we were high. And you took it as, oh, they're shit talking me behind my back. And, and I'm going to be paranoid the entire time. You are, okay. I think you the day afterwards, yours... like Josh and I went, got a joint ourselves and got high alone. Because we were like, oh, it's so much better <laughs> without you. I think that. I wanted to do something memorable with my children. And I thought, you know, we're in Amsterdam. Let's do something memorable. And I wanted to smoke weed with my kids. And now it became, dad's an idiot the way he ordered weed. Dad's an idiot the way he was high after. And dad's an idiot, period. And all three of my children are very, um, bunch of ingrates. That's what I have to say to that. Well, all I have to say is I'm very grateful for our guest today. Why? Because we're speaking to Tommy Chong. What kind of joint is this, man? Oh, it's a heavy-duty joint, man. Oh, it looks like a toothpick, man. No, it's not a toothpick, man. Bro, hey, it is a toothpick, man. Oh, man, it's just... It is a toothpick. And Tommy Chong is the face of weed, the voice of weed. When you think of weed in pop culture, think of Tommy Chong. Yes. And I want to... I'm very curious to know about where weed has gone in pop culture. But then part of me also wants to know how the hell can weed help you with all your problems? Maybe Tommy can help you figure out what strain you have to use to figure out your anxiety and your issues. I don't know if I'm going to very much like this conversation because I feel this is like an intervention of my dad has issues. It's an intervention for someone to do drugs. Right, an intervention to do drugs. Yeah. A reverse intervention. I think I'm on board. Is there such a thing? Well, there is now. It's nothing like a father being told by his son, we're going to have a talk with Tommy Chong and figure out why you're so fucking uptight. Yeah, and to figure out what drugs you should be doing. Very Okay, this is something I'm not looking forward to. Well, I am. I think this whole thing's just going to go up in smoke. (laughs) Now that was clever. On that note, let's start the interview. Which button do I push or do I need to smoke a joint before I figure this out? 
How you guys doing? Good. How are you doing? You're Ben and Marshall, huh? Yeah. I sound like, I sound like a guitar amp there. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish we had more guitars in our background. It looks like you got some nice ones on your wall. Yeah, I'm a collector. What have you got back there, Tommy? Oh, all sorts of shit. Mostly fan. I know what I got. Fender. I got one of each. J.R. Reed is what I play, though. I'm just trying to get this thing fixed up here. <laughs> I got a little Canadian style jury rig here. <laughs> oh, we got our own Canadian rig over here, don't we? <laughs> yeah. You know, clamped on a thing. <laughs> well, you know, I, I grew up, I was used to um, not buying stuff, but having to make stuff or make stuff make do. There's a whole Canadian, well, this will do. <laughs> yeah. It's not what it's not what it should be, but it'll do. How long you were in well, you were born in Edmonton. How long were you in did you live in Canada for, Tommy? Uh twenty I guess about almost thirty years. Wow. Yeah, I left almost thirty when I left to go make my name and my claim. Claim my victory. <laughs> you, know? can't be done. you can't do that in Edmonton, can you, Tommy? Actually, it's kind of hard to do it in Canada. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Canada, you know, we've got more people in California in my neighborhood than we have in all of Canada. That's true. So <laughs> That's true. Yeah. We're spread out up here. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of room to chill up here. So, uh, Tommy, this won't be a surprise to you, but we want to talk to you a lot about weed today. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you're comfortable talking more about weed, but... Uh, we, we really want to talk to you about weed and pop culture and how weed has really fit in the pop culture landscape, how it's grown across pop culture. And I think just also how you are a big face of that change and how you've Advocate. helped pioneer that change of weed. Yes. Yeah, well, weed was given to us by the creator as a test. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it is like the perfect plant for the human because it, it, it provides everything, food, clothing, intelligence, I mean, everything. Interesting. And yet, in our wisdom, we've managed to make it illegal a few times. <laughs> <laughs> What's the test, Tommy? He said, we was provided as a test. What is the test? To realize it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, here you are. <laughs> this will cure all the sorts of problems that you have in your life. Think about it. Cannabis created all, all, all religions. Going back to India was in the beginning. It all started with someone getting high and going, hey, just a minute here, you know. <laughs> There's, you know, where did this come from? Yeah. <laughs> and then the voice, the voice said, me, <laughs> learn. <laughs> so when's the first time you got high? In Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I remember this so vividly because it changed my life. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, I guess I was 17, and it was like, ooh, no, no, back then. That was 57. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was 18. I was 57. And I was at a little jazz club because in Canada, again, thanks to the liquor prohibition, everything had to shut down at midnight. And there were no after-hours clubs, no uh, restaurants couldn't serve alcohol. You know, it was really a prohibition. And so we had a little jazz club. And because I was a musician, if I brought my guitar, I could get into the club. I could play jazz, but I could definitely get in club free. And so I used to hang out there. And then one day, um, a bass player, a Chinese guy, Raymond Ma, shows up 
he just came from California and he handed me a joint and a Lenny Bruce record <laughs> together. <laughs> Changed my life. Changed my life. I put the joint in my pocket. And so he lit up his, uh, another one, and he gave me a toke and it changed my life. One toke, one toke. What was it about that toke, Tommy? It made me so high. I was in a jazz club. All of a sudden, yeah. uh, uh, the music, can you imagine? All of a sudden, I heard me, the music for the first time. Never heard it like that before. Mm -hmm. It was a song by Ornette Coleman, and it was called Lonely Woman. I mean, it's so vivid in my head that that night it just changed everything, and so the, and that was with his joint. And then I took mine home with my Lenny Bruce record, and I would listen to Lenny Bruce. I'd take a couple of tokes, put it out, listen to Lenny Bruce, and just absorbed all that humor. And what and look what it brought me! Wow. Yeah. Because the next day, yeah. I went and quit school. <laughs> it, it was it was my second try at getting a, a high school diploma, and uh, it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> so, so I realized music that that's that was my life. I mean, I think things turned out all right for you with a few bumps in the road. Incredible, incredible. You know, the the, the thing was, I was never looking to get away from work. You know, there's a lot of people now, especially in schools. <laughs> yeah. A lot of them are in school because they don't want to work. <laughs> you know, they want to sit and learn. They're professional students. Yeah. 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 And there's a lot of lot of people, even, even going after something. I grew up with my best friend, Alan, and him and I were like, you know, dual, you know, growing up. He went one way, I went another way. As we got older and started working... Because his parents, you know, he was the only child, so he was given an allowance. <laughs> you know? yeah. When you grow up poor, it's the other way around. <laughs> you got an allowance, you got to pay the parent. That's right. <laughs> because you got to get a job, you know. And so I was lucky because all my friends who had jobs eventually would come around to me and ask me, hey, do you want a job? Because he had to go somewhere or something. And that's how I got all my work. But then... That's also how I learned, like, a work ethic. Like, one thing I learned growing up is that you can always help somebody. There's always somebody looking for someone to help them. And so there's no excuse for not having a job because that, that's basically what, mm -hmm. what you're doing with a job or you're helping somebody. Right. But if you do the job in order to make money, <laughs> you know, okay, that'll work too. But to be happier, you know, this is what I found out. And so I always worked in my life. And and that really helped me with my career because nothing comes easy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you have to learn everything. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. You know, like one of my jobs was digging a ditch. And I thought, oh, man, I know how to dig a ditch. But then I used to get the whole band a job because I was the guy that would find the job. And then the rest of the band made it work. And so they would come and I would get them jobs. And one time for a couple of months, we had a job working for the telephone company and uh, the singer, uh, Tommy Melton, ex-football player, could have been a pro player for Calgary. And he was raised on a farm. Well, he's digging one ditch. I'm digging another ditch. And I kind of looked over at his and I had to walk over and take a look because 
you couldn't see him. He was so low. <laughs> so instant, he knew how to dig a ditch. And mine was pathetic. Oh, so pathetic. And yet I grew up like in the country. So I knew how to dig, but he knew how to do it properly. And so you can learn. Yes. You can learn everything. And that and that was the whole point of my success, really, was that I never turned down a job ever. You know? mm. And the weed just put me in the right direction. I think what's really funny with that is like one thing pop culture has done with weed is it's really given this image of the stoner. I take a bow. I say, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, because uh, Cheech and Chong, sort of, you know, we encourage Seth Rogen. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I was telling my dad today. I'm like, do you think there could have been like a pineapple express without an up and smoke? No, we, we started it off. Hey, you want to get high, man? That's how they do. They got wooden balls, man. I got a joint here, man. I've been saving for a special occasion. Well, the, you know, it was it was a perception. We changed it. That was what I wanted to do with the whole mm-hmm. movie itself. Uh, visually change the perception. That's why we had uh, Anthony Stoner, my character, rich <laughs> from a wealthy family. Yeah. You know. Yes. And Jewish family, wealthy Jewish family. Yes. And Cheech from a very uh, poor working class Chicano family. And then we hook up together. And the thing we have in common is getting high and playing music. <laughs> and that, that we spoke for the whole world. Because <laughs> there's different moments in history of pop culture where we had an influence. Like you look at, you know, Reefer Madness was propaganda. You look at Robert Mitchum being arrested in the 40s. Then yeah. when Up in Smoke came out, it became a buddy film and showed we did a different. I think there was a real trajectory with Up in Smoke where weed was concerned. Yeah. Yeah, Cheech and I both wanted to change. See, because Cheech really wasn't comfortable playing that Chicano character until we realized that we were changing the perception mm-hmm. of Chicanos. Yeah. See. Yes. But then when we when we changed it to Cheech, I mean, he was so lovable that. <laughs> yes. In Calgary, the bad guys were called uh, hoods. Yes. And they wore draped pants. And they had ducktails, long ducktails, and they had reputations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so I used to walk to school with these older girls, you know, and I was kind of eavesdropping, you know, to find out what older girls thought was cute and hip with guys. You know, I learned a lot. And they always would they talk about the guy with the drink pants and then, oh, he's so cute. And, oh, he's so sexy. And, <laughs> You know, and then they would, you'd see some, you know, like jock or something, and they, oh, what a dork. You know, <laughs> oh, he's what a creep. You know, hey, he thinks he's so good, you know, but the mysterious hood, you know. <laughs> and so, so next thing I'm trying to comb, well, I, I had no problem growing here. I had the air and I put it in a ducktail, but I couldn't afford the draped pants, so I'd try to make my own. You know? <laughs> and did you make your pants out of hand? No, no. <laughs> I had pants that were too big for me. <laughs> you know, I mean, the poor, poor Canadian had to do what you could do. Yeah, yeah. Or I had a whole thing. And I learned that in Army Cadets, too. That's where I got introduced to it. I, I was wondering also just about, like, playing off what you were saying before, this, like, normalization of weed, especially what Cheech and Chong has done and bringing it to the forefront and showing different people using it and that it's okay. And now weed is legal. 
but you also got arrested for distributing bongs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, how how does that make you feel now? Just knowing that like you arrested for distributing bongs. Not even, the, not even, not even the weed itself. Yeah. yeah. I did a movie with uh, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg called The Wash. Well, I thought it was clever. They let me write my own thing. So I, I thought I was clever. I'm supposed to be the dealer. And so what I did, I show up on a scooter and I got a bong and I got a bag of weed. I said, okay, here's the deal. The weed's free. <laughs> but you're going to have to pay 300 bucks for the bomb. Yeah. <laughs> and they said, okay, boom. And so we did that it in, the, in the movie. <laughs> Next thing I know, I'm going to jail for selling bombs. <laughs> it was so po- poetic, man. Isn't it, isn't it so back-asswards now, Tommy? Like, look at what you, you got in, what was it, nine months? How, mu- how long did you get? Nine months, yes, yeah, nine months, yeah. Let me ask you a question, Tommy. I actually take meds for my anxiety. Should I get off my meds and smoke weed? Ask your doctor. Tell your doctor. I'll tell you the truth. It, it's, it depends on your mindset, you know. Yeah. And, and what you believe. It's, it's according to your faith. Mm-hmm. That's written in the Bible. You know, it shall be according to thy faith. It's whatever you believe. You see, that's why those nutcases, you know, thinking the cue, all that crap, you know. Yes. They believe yep. that. They believe right. it. Right. And it's like all these religious cults, it's it's what they believe. And you can't knock them either because they're going through an experience. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're all doing. We're going through this experience. So, you know, my advice to you is, yeah, try it. But, you know, know what you're doing. That's what I tell people, too. Anyway, anything. When they ask me, how do I do this or anything? You got a phone? Yeah, ask them. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Because I smoke weed. Yeah. I think he could benefit from smoking weed. And I know you're not my doctor or his doctor. Don't, don't even try to talk him into it. Do the opposite. <laughs> Do the opposite. Yeah. No, okay, fine. More for me. <laughs> That's what I saw. More for me. Okay, so just, just some reverse psychology. Because, yeah. Tommy, my son's doing like a reverse intervention with me. Sure. My yeah. son yeah. wants <laughs> me not to get off the drugs. He wants me to I get I want to put him on drugs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, would you endorse? Would you endorse that? Would you endorse that, Tommy? Oh, any anything to get the father son talking, you know, yeah. anything, <laughs> whatever works. I was wondering if if you ever smoked weed with someone like you shared very opposing beliefs with. Like, you ever smoke weed like a Trump supporter or something like that? N- not knowingly. <laughs> 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 I found out later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of Trump friends, rich. I mean, very rich. Yeah. And when I first found out, because, you know, I'm a celebrity, they had me to their golf tournament, you know, and, and we're good friends. And all of a sudden, we're driving home and he starts on this Trump. And I looked at him and I said, what? So we agreed to disagree, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Who was the oddest celebrity you've ever smoked weed with? Remember Leave it to Beaver? Yeah. Whenever we cook inside, mom always does the cooking. But whenever we cook outside, you always do it. How come? Well, it's sort of traditional, I guess. Uh, you know, they say a woman's place is in the home, and uh, I suppose as long as she's in the home, she might as well be in the kitchen. Wally? Yeah? The older brother? Yeah. His name is Tony Dow. I was smoking one day. We are at a party, and was George Harrison of the Beatles, you know, and I. George and I are pretty good friends. You know, we're pretty good friends, because he's a guitar player, and he played on our album one time, and and we had always had the weed in common. You know, that was one thing. And you know who turned the Beatles on, by the way? Who? Bob Dylan. Did you know that? that that's no. interesting. That's interesting. You know, why well, he turned them on probably in, in Canada. Yeah, he probably turned them on. I, I thought I heard something, but I didn't know if it was true. I didn't know if it was yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, Bob Dylan. But George and I, so we're, we're smoking away and all of a sudden... <laughs> There's a third guy joined us, and it was it was Tony Dow, it was Wally, <laughs> and I wanted to say, "Oh, gee, Wally, <laughs> <laughs> gee, Wally, you smoking?" Dad's weed? really going to be mad. He climbs up. <laughs> I thought it was going to be Mrs. Cleaver that smoked up, smoked weed with you. I thought you're probably, <laughs> probably. Yeah, who did who did I meet? I met a few uh, of those old ladies. Uh, you know, they were the girls that I loved when I was young. You know, I'm 80, 82 years old. When you smoked with Wally Cleaver, how long ago was that? Was that while he was on the Beaver or later? That was just later, 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 later. He, he'd become a, a metal sculptor. Yes. And so, so that was Wally. I've smoked with, let me see. Well, one of the most fun guys was Peter Sellers. I am Inspector Cruiser of the Sarté. And I am here on official police business. He was a big, 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 big guy. Hash head, you know, he loved hash. He, he was crazy too, but he's so funny. Oh, what a what a genius! Was he as brilliant as people say as a comedian? Yeah, more, more, even more, more. He was the first Jim Carrey. You know, interesting. He was before Jim Carrey, but unlike Jim, well, no, I was going to say he could control it, but no, <laughs> Peter, Peter couldn't control it either. <laughs> They don't know the difference between reality and unreality. You know, oh, that's interesting. They, they they live in between there. You know, they create their own realities. You you mentioned George Harrison. Now George Harrison was also on Basketball Jones. How did that come about? Yeah. How did all those people come about? Well, they're all in A and M Records. Yeah, that was on uh, Sunset in uh, La Brea. It was the old Charlie Chaplin Studios, A and M Records, and so uh, Dark Horse was there our old records and you know which is carol king and all the whoever was in the studio that's what we'd do you know say come on down we need you to do a little bit and so we'd all you know like Chish and i were on Joni mitchell's album which was 
it was more like a camaraderie. It was like whoever was there, you guys want to be on Just it. Come on in. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. And there was no, no, no talk about money or time or anything. It's just come on, do a bit, do it. You know. Yeah. The only people that really profited, I guess, were the uh, you know, record owners. You know, those guys that owned the companies. But yeah, it was fun. I wanted to ask you a pop culture question, Tommy. Why were you never fully credited as director on Up and Smoke? Because you did do directing on that. I've always been the reluctant backup guy. Mm. You know, I always backed up singers. That's how I got my career. And Cheech, you know, if you notice in the movies, he's more of the lead than I am. Mm. Uh, and so when it came to directing, because my whole philosophy, it was like a band. You know, uh, you, you're not alone. You got people right. and you let other people do what they can do and so i thought with lou adler you know i thought that we had that understanding because we did all our albums with those yes and we would record some and then i'd send it into lou and lou would listen to it give me his notes and then you know that's how we worked and and that's how we worked with uh, up and smoke the movie because lou originally wanted it to be called uh cheech and chong's greatest hits mm. And that was the working title. And we were supposed to have another uh, director come in. And so we had Floyd Matrix. He, he came and he was there for a while, but we never hit it off. You know, Floyd had his own ideas. But then I realized that's going to be the problem. So we need someone that's sort of like neutral, just do mm-hmm. kind of what, what Cheech and I did. And I never wanted to take credit because Cheech and I were a, a team, right? you know, mm-hmm. and so things would always work out one way or another. But the trouble is with movies, although they have now, you know, the, with the Coen brothers and that, you know, you can co-direct, yes. you know, but at, at the time uh, we did it, the studio wanted just one director. Gotcha. Yeah. And so that's how we got Lou, uh, because Lou was just going to do whatever we said to do. Yeah. And that's basically what, what happened. Now, I've got to give Lou credit because the reason Lou was so important, he would bring the George Harrisons. He would bring the big names, the big guns, you know. And he had that relationship with the Stones, with everybody, you know. And he did that with our career. And, and then he brought in Robert Altman's movie people. Then Lou with Robert Altman's movie people, mm-hmm. Lombardos, they were the ones that came up with the Stadenko and the cops, you know, all that dialogue and all that yeah. directing. That was pure Lou. And so it wasn't as like I directed the whole movie. But what I did, it was my writing. I wrote the movie, mm-hmm. uh, except for the cop yep. parts. But it was like I wrote the cops, but they did the, the business and the dialogue. And so when it came down to the ending, uh, Lou, you know, and rightly so, be it, thought he acted like a director. He put his own ending in, and he screened it for us. And Paramount, it was like so bad. <laughs> it was so bad. It was so bad. I wrote about it, and she had to contradict me. It wasn't that bad, <laughs> but it was bad. So we had a, a little meeting with Lombardo and everybody, and, and I said no. We got to reshoot the movie, reshoot the ending. Everybody got all stiff back. Because when you say reshoot anything, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, So I, I wrote it and it was easy. I, I knew exactly what it needed. And we went in and shot it half a day. We're done. Everything's happy. Screened it. Become one of the biggest selling movies ever. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. 
I had a weed, another weed question for you, Tommy. Sure. Uh, what's My your, son has all the weed I questions. Got the, yeah, I got the weed questions because I like to smoke. What's, what's your favorite strain? Or do you have a favorite strain? I'm still looking for it. <laughs> I'm close. I'm close. But the search is narrowing down between cannabis and marijuana. I'm not sure. Uh, one of the two. <laughs> what's the difference between cannabis and marijuana? What's the difference between cannabis and marijuana? There is none. <laughs> what did you say about that? Was it, did, I miss, did I miss something? Because I'm not a pothead. That's what yeah. they, you got it, man. <laughs> I talked over your head. <laughs> Sir, you talked over mine. You, 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 you got right to him. I, I did that on CNN with, uh, I forget her name. But anyway, I told her, she says, do you think marijuana? I said, marijuana won't be, but uh, they'll definitely legalize cannabis. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, I feel like an idiot. Should I feel like an idiot right now? Sure. <laughs> yeah, it's a free country, right? Uh, hey, yes. Look, if Trump didn't give everybody license to be an idiot, who's going to? You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, people used to say to me, "What's your favorite strain?" And I used to say, "Anything given to me by a naked woman." <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, we've got two last questions for you. You've been so amazing okay. to chat with. Really, you've been so amazing. I've got one about. I collect a lot of pop culture stuff. I collect a lot of autographs. What's with your guitar collection? Why do you collect guitars? What do they mean to you? Uh, they are gifts for the most part. They're just, they've been given to me. The Pantera, that rock heavy metal gave me one. I bought that one. And then uh, the guy from War, he gave me that one. Everybody I meet now goes, hey, play my guitar. And then I tell them, oh, is this a gift? And, and the looks on their, their, looks on their faces, because they, they don't want to say no, but they don't want to give me that guitar either. <laughs> At one time, it was a native uh, Navajo. Uh, and he, he showed me that he was very proud of his guitar. Oh, well, thanks, man. Oh, man, thank you. I really appreciate it. <laughs> and he starts crying because he didn't want to say he didn't want to say no, but yeah. This is my third collection. Wow. Wow. I had two stolen before, you know. Huh. But when they steal it, I go, Oh good. Now I can buy new guitars. Yeah, you can start from scratch. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to ask you, Tommy, on a final note, I know we talked about how kind of like weed opened up your life. Uh, how did weed save your life? Or do you feel that weed saved your life? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's got me to where I am now. Hey, oldest guy ever to make the finals in uh, Dancing with the Stars. Uh, uh, Sugar Ray. Yeah. The boxer. <laughs> he never made it. He got kicked out, I think, the first first day. No, it's all about weed. Because what happens with, with, with weed forces you to concentrate on what you're doing, you know. And that's why sometimes you can just sit at home and do nothing. But you're really concentrated on it. the cancer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying it cured cancer, but I'll tell you one thing. It allowed the immune system to kick in. Mm -hmm. See, what happens when you do weed, it puts you in the moment, your mind. So you're not worrying about the past. You can't remember the past. You can't remember names. And you, and you can't even think about the future because you're trying to figure out where you are now. <laughs> and so yeah. that's the time that the body uses to reboot itself you see like a computer when the computer goes crazy you turn it off mm -hmm. you don't turn
turn it on, you don't do it, you turn it off. Mm -hmm. That's the same as our immune system. And so weed has a way of not just turning it off, but focusing everything on things like the munchies. Mm -hmm. You get hungry, you get thirsty. Well, the body usually needs more water than we're giving it. You know, and it probably needs healthier foods than we're giving it, you know, you know, and so all that combination makes me who I am. When you're high, you're not really allowed to drift. That's why you can listen. You can hear something. You can see something. You watch a TV show uh, when you're high and you come away. You're You're getting rid of all those outside distractions. Yeah. 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 And that's the plus thing. And then the other thing is that we've got proof, you know, Sandra Gupta on TV showed a one-year-old child with epilepsy being cured of her strokes, allowing the mother to hug it for the first time in her life. I mean, if that isn't the kind of proof that everybody should go, oh, well, okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And as far as personalities goes, humor. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you're laughing at stuff that, Normally, you wouldn't laugh at. Why? Because you're so paranoid, you know, because you're thinking you're, you're not in the moment. But hey, if you're in the moment, even Saddam Hussein, just before he got murdered, before he hung him, yeah. he got heckled. And Saddam came up with a great line, man. He says, watch, I'll show you how a real man dies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. I never thought I'd be talking to Tommy Chong and he brings up Saddam Hussein in an interview. Why? I got compared to him. Why? When? Uh, When I I got sent to jail, uh, there was a, I think the Onion or someone said, hey, they showed a picture of Saddam Hussein and they said, hey, I thought we had already caught Tommy Chong. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, you've been so great. Any words of advice you have for Ben and I, Tommy? I, I give this advice to everybody now. Uh, you got to realize the fact that we can talk to each other, mm. that we're very, very, very special creatures. We're very special. And we're very special individuals. There's not another you, and there's not another you, and there's not another, another one of me. Even they found out that even identical twins are totally separate. You know, so we are individual creatures. And... We've always been here in one form or another, Mm -hmm. and we will always come back here in one form or another. So my advice really is to realize that. Realize how individual you are and how special you are, no matter who you are, Mm -hmm. because there's always something for you to do. Let's yeah. thank Mr. Tommy Chong. Well, Tommy, thank you so much for, for spending time with us today. This has been lovely. My, my, my pleasure, believe me. I really enjoyed it. You gave us a high. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm going to go try a vape right now. A vape? A vape, yeah, why not? Is he lying? Uh, he's probably lying. He's probably just trying to make you feel better. <laughs> he's, lying. But he's lying. Yeah, yeah. one of these days. That's the old DJ thing. Okay, right now we're going <laughs> to... We're going to give away a lot of money. <laughs> it's like bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. Nice to see you. Right. Right. Be safe, Tommy. Be safe. Cheers. Bye. Okay, cheers. So you're going to get high now, or what's your deal? Well, no, I. Tommy said it's my choice. People, if you want to get high, it's your own choice. 
So I have to think about that. So, okay. And I'm glad he didn't take part in, in this whole uh Reverse intervention. Reverse I'm intervention. To I thought he was going to say, yeah, man, you got to get on. I thought he was, is that a good Tommy Chong impression? It's fine. Um, anyways, I thought he was going to go there, but he, he, it's funny. He's an advocate, but he's not a pusher. He's not a drug pusher. No. Does that make sense? Well, I thought it was, he, he gets very like philosophical about weed, which I thought was really interesting. Yes. I think we all have like ideas of like what a stoner quote unquote is or a perception of, of someone who smokes a lot of weed. And I didn't feel... He was that. Oh, I did. Oh, I did. Well, I think there's something really like with, with any sort of I, topic. To me, a stoner is being chill. Yeah. I think Tommy Chong, he's had cancer. He's been arrested. He's mm-hmm. been kicked out of country. See, I think at the end of the day, he's just so chill, man. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Right? And he's just maybe weed has helped him just be focused and living in the moment. Yeah. And if that's what it can do and that's how you, you what you get from it, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. What, what do you get from weed, by the way? We never talked about that. What why I get you, from weed? Yeah, why do you smoke weed? We actually never spoke about that. Why I smoke? I think there are like a few reasons why I smoke. Number one reason is because you're my son and you just got to deal with that shit. Yeah, all, all the anxiety I've gotten from yeah. mainly your side of the family. I've yes. got I've to tame that somehow. But what's the real reason? I guess there is, like I haven't really thought as, I mean, Tommy's kind of reframed it a little bit for me, but there is that element of focus and being in the moment, whether it's like I'm working on a creative project and I can like hone in on that creativity. Yeah. Or I'm with friends and, and we're cooking and, and eating and I feel like there is that kind of intense focus on the food that we're about to enjoy or the shows that we're about to watch. So it is, maybe I didn't know at the time, but there is this element of, of intense focus on a, any given thing. Okay, so it's I got creativity you and it's yeah. enjoyment. For me. I got you there. So speaking of creativity and enjoyment, and I'm going to prove to be a man of my word, I told Tommy that I would try your vape after that interview, and he didn't believe me, and neither did you. Mm. So how, put it on and let me try it. Okay, but and I'm being serious. Put it on. I don't know if you're, you're actually being serious. Yeah. Okay. Put that thing that what's it called? It's a Pax. A Pax. P A X. P A X. How is it? Does it mean something? I don't know what it means. Oh, it's good. And what kind of weed is in it right now? Today you're going to smoke L.A. Confidentials. What's in here right now? L.A. Con- that was a film, L.A. Confidential. And now it's drugs. And see, and I and I can let Tommy know that I actually stuck to my word, and I was gonna, I was gonna smoke. Do a what is it called? A hit. A hit. So you you put your lips on this. I actually like that. Up in smoke was gonna was actually going to be called greatest, greatest hits. hits. That was clever too. Okay, so what am I doing? You put your lips on here, and you you smoke. Is it ready to go? Yeah. And how much do I inhale? Wait, do I have to push a button? To no, 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 there's no button. You it's just, not even rolled in paper. You literally, you put your lips on it. Yeah. And you, su- you suck in. Okay. But then you blow out. And that's okay. it. Wow, I'm focused. Yeah, you're, you're high as a kite right I am now. so focused right now, Ben. Great. And I have the munchies. I think we should end because I just need a bag of Doritos. Yeah, we'll, we'll go raid Cool the Ranch Doritos. <laughs> Well, if you enjoyed that interview, it only gets better. It would be so much better if you stopped talking like that. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.